Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. So let's bring her out. A star attraction. The one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kill Me Now. We have a very special guest. Actually, you might be, I think you win youngest guest ever on the show. But you know what? You're the youngest for pretty much everything you've ever done in your life. So, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a real life movie star on my podcast. Okay. So our guest today, we met virtually at a creative coalition event and we were put in the same breakout room and now we're making out. Hey now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't even know people's choice award, teen choice award. <laughs> Uh, Judy Gold Award, Aww. one and only Catherine McNamara is here. Woo! Thank you so much for having me. It's, oh it's my God. Okay. First of all, people like you come around once in a generation, like you're out of your fucking mind here. Okay. So <laughs> that's true. All right. So <laughs> now, I mean, listen, everyone who's listening, I just want you to know I am glad this is an audio podcast because if you could see what she fucking, I mean, you'll see on my Twitter and my Instagram, what Catherine looks like for a fucking podcast. It's really annoying. So a, I want to kill you and B I want to be you. So it's, they're two different. (laughs) Well, we can trade because I love you so much. I want to be you. So you don't, you really, I'm telling you now it's a lot (laughs) of problems, a lot of fucking problems. Catherine, I just want to say congratulations on everything you have done. I mean, because in your young 25 years, and let me just say one thing. First thing I wrote, Scorpio. That's right. That's right. I'm the 15th. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I like I like being a cusp baby because I get a little bit of Sagittarius and a little bit of Scorpio and I get to right. kind of have the best of both worlds. Yeah, but don't you think you're more Scorpio than Sag? For work, yes, because I have the very focused, driven, yeah. fiery thing when it comes to work. And I appreciate it. It comes in handy. Right. Now, where are you right now? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, and how is the COVID? <sighs> you know, uh, uh, it's uh, it's it's still here. It's fucking uh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. People, yeah. You know, I just wish people would wear their masks and, you know, stay. Is it, are you like, I have friends in, in that are uh, in LA and one of them told me that she went on a hike, but she was, got to this part of the hike where you go up these stairs. And so like a lot of people go up the stairs and then down the stairs, like it's a workout going up and down the stairs. And there was a guy who was going up and down the stairs and not wearing a mask. And she just left. And it's like, you know, she had to fucking leave because this guy's a fucking asshole. Yeah. And because God only knows what what's going to happen if you say to him, can you put on a mask, you fucking asshole? Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm so used to be, I gave up on time zones years ago because I'm flying and doing things. I just gave up on them. Right. Um, And I've so caught up on my sleep during this entire year of being stuck at home that I don't sleep much anymore. So I'm up at about 4 a.m. every day. So I I can't sleep either, but I go to bed at 4 a.m. Like, I don't know what I feel like it's this whole being inside all the time and just, you know, I don't know. And you 
think about all the energy you expend getting to places. You know what I mean? So you do have a lot more time. So uh, let's start at the very beginning, Catherine. Um, Let's begin with our ABCs. One, two, three. (laughs) You're an only child. Yes. Uh Born in Kansas City, but you were, were raised in Lee's Summit. Yeah. So actually I was born in, I was an army brat as a kid. So yeah. I was born in North Carolina and Georgia. So when I first learned to talk, oh. I actually learned to talk like this. And then somehow when I moved to Missouri, I lost my accent. Okay. So how old were you when you moved to Missouri? About three. Okay. The North Carolina, the acts, the Southern act as a Jew and a gay, <laughs> it scares the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> sure. It does. I, I mean, it's like, but you're really good at it. Is your family from originally from that area, the North Carolina area? It's just because you're an army brat. It's just because I was an army brat. So when I was first learning to speak, everyone around me, aside from my parents, spoke with an accent. And so that's just kind of, I picked up on it somehow. Um, it comes in handy now for work. I've used it quite a bit. Right, I bet. But um, so like, I was always interested in this because I grew up in New Jersey. And so whenever you watch TV, like just most every television show, they have like no accent or just a Northeast accent. You know what I mean? And what is it like being like a Southern person and watching TV and no one talks like you? Unless it's like, uh, you know, designing women or I'm old, that's, you know, but unless it's a show that takes place in the South. Right. It's interesting. And, you know, I've actually spoken to a lot of my English friends about this because every English person I know has an amazing American accent. Right. And I always, I, I just look at them and I go, it's not fair. And they go, well, it's because we have so much American media in in the UK that we just learn it from a young age because we watch all the American shows and movies and things like this. And so it's, I don't know, I've always been that person to pick up on whatever accent or intonation is around me. Right. It's so interesting that it's so easy for English people to do an American accent. It's so difficult. I mean, people can do an English accent, but you know, there's so many different ones, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on, I don't know. I love accent work. I think it's a fun challenge. Also, you know what I think is really hard? Australian. Oh, yeah. That one's difficult. Isn't it? Yeah. That and Indian. I can't do the Indian. I want to learn how to do the Indian. <laughs> I had one audition years ago where it was two parts in the same movie, and one was Russian and one was Scottish, which you can't get more different when it comes to right. accent. Right. Um, one thing I learned is I can go Russian to Scottish, but once I'm in Scottish, you can't go back. Scottish is so fucking hard. Wait, I do a Scottish that. accent. I don't even know if I could do it anymore. All right, just like all right. Just say, Judy, I love being on your podcast with the Scottish accent. (laughs) I don't want to butcher it because I also have Scottish. Oh, god damn it! You're too much of a perfectionist. (laughs) All right, I am really interested in your being raised and homeschooled. Were you homeschooled most of your life? Yes, in a sense. So I I was very lucky in that I had the best of both worlds. I had an amazing preschool teacher. Right, I read about her. Yeah, so So, Miss Vicky, who I'm friends with to this day, and I owe my entire educational love to her because she saw this sort of love for learning in me and decided to foster it. Yeah, she she realized how brilliant you were uh, (laughs) in preschool. And and, uh, I read that she gave you this gift of realizing how important education 
is. Absolutely. And that's something that I, that's why I work with Creative Coalition because I, you know, they, they do the same thing for arts education, but just education in general is the one thing that knowledge is the one thing that can never be taken away from you. It's the one thing that you'll have for the rest of your life. Such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And learning was always presented to me in a way of discovery and of growth and of a way of, for yourself, learn, finding out about the world around you and how you see it and what you think about it. Um, I think part of that's also having a scientist for a mother who raised me Socratically instead of, you know, me asking her why the sky is blue. One day she just turned to me and went, Catherine, why do you think the sky is blue? Oh, wow. I love her. I love you, Urs. So, so, and having a, a, a female science, like, first of all, I, I was born in 1962 and I'm sure I'm probably older than your parents, but anyway, um, I was born in 1962. Like we were not, it wasn't like math and science were the girls subjects. And for your mother to be a scientist, I mean, that's fucking amazing. The women in my family are always and forever my heroes because there's so many of them that were in such diverse fields, but it, they were also the best moms and sisters and grandmothers and cousins. And so growing, this is something I realized later growing up for me, it was never a choice of career or family. It was always, well, if you work hard and you care about what you're doing and you care about the people you love, you can have both, right? but you can do it. You got to work. It's work. Yeah, it's work, but it's worth it. So tell me about Miss Vicky. Like, do you, I, I mean, and what you remember. So you're it, how many people were in your preschool class? I don't remember. It was a Montessori school. So we had, we were kind of always moving around doing different activities right. and things. And I remember she pulled me aside one day and said, I think you should try reading this book. And it was a chapter book. It was a longer book and with, you know, more words than I do. Do you seen. remember what it was? I don't. I'd have to okay. ask. My mom. It was a book about a girl and a horse. That's all I remember. Okay. And I loved it. And did she have an orgasm? Good night, folks. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, sorry. No, go, go for I it. I know. I'm kidding. Just don't even listen to anything I say. Go. I listen to everything you say, Judy. <laughs> um, but she also presented to me multiplication and division and all these things and kept pushing me to learn different things that anyone else, any other teacher would have thought were beyond me. And it's so interesting that she saw that and you were such a young age, you know, like usually that doesn't show up to like first, second grade. You're like, wait, this kid is. Yeah. So teacher. And she, I watched her do that with so many other kids as well. Really? Yeah. Every kid that crossed her path, she found something to kind of foster. Okay. Here's a shout out to miss Vicky. And this is why teachers are so fucking important and she paid a real salary. Fuck you. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck you. Okay. So it's, is she still working, Miss Vicky? I think she's retired now. But oh, uh, I love you, Miss Vicky, and I love that her name's Miss Vicky. Okay, so how do you get into? You do a combo homeschool and regular school, or yeah? So in Missouri, I I got kicked out of school in first grade. Technically. Why? Tell me why. Um, a few different reasons, but mostly because Miss Vicky had kind of fostered my learning process and and sped it up so much that socially the school didn't want to move me up anymore. And academically, I needed more. So they found a solution where I could go home and use, basically at the time it was snail mail school. 
which was the same accredited program that a lot of ambassadors kids used who were traveling all the time and things like this, where I did all my schoolwork at home and I mailed my academics to my teacher. But then I would go to the public school for recess and art and music and field trips. And oh, that's good. And it was great. So I got to socialize with my friends and then do my academics the way I needed to at home. That's so interesting. So while they were in school, in their classes, you were at home doing your work and then you'd go, would you go in for lunch? Sometimes, or, yeah. Oh my Anything, God. Whatever I wanted to do that was how did that affect? How did that affect your friendships? Like, cause they're it all, it was. Yeah. I mean, I was also the strange child that every time I got a new class, I would go up to every single kid and go, hi, I'm Catherine. What's your name? Nice to meet you. And shake their hand. Right. Which weirded a lot of kids out, but I made a lot of great friends that way too. You're like otherworldly. Okay. So <laughs> I read a little bit about camp when you went to camp as a kid and you were bullied at camp. Is that correct? Oh, well, there was a situation in middle school where I got my head slammed into a water fountain, which wasn't fun. Fuck you. Who did that? Just first name, please. Some kid. I don't Mother even remember. You know what? Fuck you. Was it a boy or a girl? They, they shall remain anonymous. But, oh, uh, please. Fuck you, you fucking asshole. Let me tell you something. When I was, I don't know if I've told the story on the podcast, but when I was in summer camp, I went to sleepaway camp because I'm a Jew. And did you grow up around any Jews? A couple. But again, I grew up in, in the middle of Missouri. I know. So. I'm just checking. And did you ever go to a bar mitzvah when you were that age? I never did. Oh, that sucks. Okay. So I went to Jewish summer camp and then I were. I don't know if I've ever told this, but then I like they were picking us up. It was the end of the camp, you know, like the several weeks. And um, my mother my, and my father came to get me and I had to run back to the bunk to get because I guess I left something in the bunk and someone had carved in the fucking wall. Bigfoot slept here. OK, so fuck you, whoever you are, you fucking cunt. That's so Oh my God, this is, that's a story of my whole fucking growing up. That's why I'm like, I'm like you with the anti-bullying. Hey everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity and eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality. And they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week, you have over 35 options to choose from. They have Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, I Just Did Chef's Choice, 60 or more add ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep, there's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so 
convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. And you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required. Okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me. I never lie. Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factor Meals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. So you're going to school now in your regular school, like when you go to the regular part, are you in the school plays? Are you? Yeah, I actually, I started sort of simultaneously doing theater in middle school. And it was, I I never, I, I went to theater as a kid. Like I loved the ballet. I loved the theater. Kansas City has this amazing regional yeah. theater community that's, I, I've always loved it. Um, but I had never thought about being an actor as a career. I just didn't even, I didn't even know that that was a thing right. for people to do. Um, and I, I was a ballet dancer my whole life. And I ended up running into a friend who was directing a community theater show and she needed a dancer. And I said, well, sure, why not? That sounds like fun. I'll do something different for the summer and I'll try anything once. Right. And I had one of those moments. And every time I tell the story, it sounds so corny, but you know, you have those moments of clarity in life where everything else just falls away and it's yeah. crystal clear. Oh yeah. I stepped on stage on opening night for the first time. And I kid you not, it hit me like a brick wall. And I just knew that I had to tell stories for the rest of my life. You know, it's so interesting the way you said that, because I say it like I was, someone dared me to do stand up when I was in college and it was for secret Santa. Everyone knows the story who listens to the podcast. And I'm standing in our lobby and I had to write material about all the people who lived on our floor. And I didn't know who my secret Santa was. Ended up being my best friend my, and who's still one of my best friends. All right. So I do my first show. I get my first laugh. You're right. Every, nothing else mattered. It was like an out of body experience. It was like uh, everything had left the building except for that. And, uh, you know, that's a gift. I mean, it's a gift and a curse, but it's a gift. Well, you're 25, so it's a gift right now. <laughs> well, You'll I was see. about 12 when this happened. And so I, I feel very fortunate to to have figured it out so young. But right. up to that point, I wanted to go into developmental economics. Right. Economics. I heard that you you wanted to be, yeah, you wanted to be an economist. And just now I'm gonna I am gonna drop the bombshell for my listeners. You graduated high school at 14 years old. 14! Yes. 14! I had just gotten my period at 13. Okay. So how did that happen? Like you, you were so, you were doing all that, that work. Yeah. Uh, via snail mail. And yeah, it happened by accident. Really. I, I had started doing by that time it was online. So I was doing 
this accredited online high school program. And I was talking to my guidance counselor and they said to me, oh, by the way, after this, you're done. And I went, done with the semester? What, what do you mean done? They said, no, you're, you're graduating after this. And I went, what? I'm 14. How can I graduate high school? And I guess I had just gone through everything at my own pace more quickly than I realized. So did you think the work was hard at all? Or oh, sure. I mean, there were some things, but I don't know. I was raised very much in, with the sense of hard work is can be fun and a challenge can be exciting as opposed to taxing. But w- were you taking like AP class? Like what yeah, kind of cl- um, you were taking like physics and like calculus and I took math as electives in high school and college because it was fun for me. Oh God, I'm gonna vomit <laughs> right now. Does someone have a puke bucket for me? I'm a big I, old bird. What can I say? It's just fascinating that that your brain worked like that. But and, then you know, I you know I didn't want to stop going to school because I was fourteen, and I went, well, I can't stop learning now. So well, did, yeah, yeah. No, I was just gonna say, did you say to your friends, "Listen, guys, I'm d-, like, how did your friends take it?" Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't tell a lot of people because I, you know, I was still having fun going to school with my friends and doing all of that. And, and I was working in theater and, you know, I was, by that time I was working professionally in Kansas city and I, it just kind of happened. And, you know, my, my friends that I did tell, they kind of knew that I was a big old nerd and it just made sense to them, I guess. So uh, at 14, you're still doing all your extracurricular activities, but then okay. you go to college uh, at, at Drexel in Philly, correct? Yeah. So it, it sort of overlapped with when I moved to New York, it worked out sort of perfectly because I had started by that time. I knew I wanted to be an actor for a living. So you university of Missouri, Kansas city has an amazing acting program. Um, and I had started there because in my mind, I never thought I'd leave Kansas city. Right. I thought I'd work at the bank until 5 PM and then make it to curtain by eight. And it's perfect. Right. That was, that was what I was going to do with my life. And then I, so I started university there. Um, and then I get a random phone call from, uh, New York and they said, Hey, we have this audition for you for a little night music. I ca- um, this, I cannot wait to talk about this, but yeah. yeah. So I got the audition for night music and, and you had it. So you had an agent like while you were living in Kansas. I did, but this one happened through a mutual friend who I had just worked with. It was an actor from New York that they'd brought okay. to Missouri who was in a little night music and they needed an immediate replacement. And I'd gotten to be really good friends with this woman and she knew what I wanted to do with my life and said to them, Hey, you know, would you consider looking at this girl from Kansas City? Because I think she'd be good for this. So off I go to New York for my, the first time ever, also to audition for a Broadway show. And a week later, I'm living there and doing the show. But then, obviously, you can't really remotely do an acting program. Um, And the schools in New York won't let you work in the industry and go to school at the same time. So I was sort of forced with the decision of, do I quit school? Do I quit the show that I just moved to New York to do? Or do I change majors? And I ended up changing. You changed majors. So how old are you at this point? I was 15. 15. So you're 15 years old and you have to change your major. Uh, This is fucking fascinating. Uh, And you move to New York Uh and you are going to school online. Is that true? With Drexel. And you You are in a Broadway show and you're getting your degree at the same time, which you end up doing 
in three years. Yeah. And you get a Bachelor of Science and wait, don't say it. I have to. Uh, you got a Bachelor of Science in Business Administration. Mm-hmm. Okay. While you were on Broadway with Angela Lansbury, okay. <laughs> You were on Broadway with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Angela Lansbury. Okay. I, there are many things I have to ask. First of all, like Catherine Zeta-Jones, fine. I don't care. The fact that you got to work with Angela Lansbury, like when I think of the consummate performer, the consummate professional, I mean, Angela fucking so did you know Angela Lansbury from from like um, Beauty and the Beast and stuff like ooh, wasn't she the teapot? Yes. Oh, my yeah. goodness. I, I couldn't even believe I, I also met both of them within about five minutes of each other. And I don't think I could feel my legs at that point. I, I didn't even realize I had just moved to New York maybe the day before. So that was a whole new world. For okay. Me. So you're moving to New York at 15. Do yeah. you have a guardian? Um, my mom came with me. Your mother came with you. Did you get an apartment? Yes. So you're living in an apartment with your mother. So mm-hmm. she, did she get, give up her job, her science job? She actually worked online. By that point, she was a college professor at a bunch of different online universities, teaching everything from parasitology to pathopharmacology to microbiology. To yeah, all same. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Yeah, yeah. The pathopharmacology. Uh, I have a. Uh, I minored in pathopharmacology. All right. So, so she's teaching. Uh, you have an apartment, two bedroom. I'm assuming. Oh no. One bedroom. Yeah. God, it's so New York. Okay. <laughs> and you're fucking 15 years old. So what is your day like? Like, all right, before we get to the, to the, um, cause I can't with Angela Lansbury, <laughs> 2008, you were in matchmaker, uh, in Kansas city. You did a short film, get off my porch. Oh yes. Then in 2010, you did a little night music. So 2008, that means you were 13. Oh Yeah. And then at 15, you grab, all right. So 13, you get your, you're doing your first acting job for real. Oh, you know kind I of. was, I was 14 when I moved to New York. I just figured that. Oh, out. wow. So yeah. So at 14, you graduate high school and move to New York to be in a Broadway fucking show. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Don't you feel like you were touched by an angel or something? I feel incredibly lucky. And it's one of those situations where I am so grateful because moving to New York at 14 was the best thing that could have happened to me as a human being, as well as an actor. Just, it opened my perspective up in so many ways to just life and cultures and people. And I mean, you know, you know, New York, it's, it's, well, yeah, because it's the world. Well, it's, it's so like my mother grew up a couple blocks from where I live on the Upper West Side. And she always said it would have been so much easier to bring you up in New York. And, you know, my kids are total New York kids. And it's like you look at the difference between them and kids they meet from camp or in, in college and stuff. And it's like the experiences you have. And if you're a weirdo, if you're strange, there's someone else who's stranger than you, who you know, you always can find a home, a place to be who you are here, you know? So, so you're 14. 
you're in a Broadway show, which is so taxing. First of all, the fact that you have this work ethic, like <laughs> that you're not like, oh, I'm 14. I want to go like, you know, drive around getting pot, you know, yeah. smoke pot in the woods with my friend. Like you're 14 and you're like, it's taxing being in a Broadway show. Like it's eight shows a week, right? It is, but in the best way possible. You know, okay. I... Yeah. In Kansas City, some of the Christmas shows we would do, we would do 10 shows a week. Right. So for me, it was it was fun. And I I've always been of the mind that, and I guess this is I always say I was raised in the Kansas City theater community artistically because everybody there does it for the love of it. Everybody does every job. There's no ego involved. And it's everybody's just trying to serve the piece. And yeah, I've heard a lot of people coming out from that, like Paul Rudd, right? And yeah. there's a bunch of yeah. So you're 14. Do you feel like you're missing out on anything? No, I don't. Wow, I actually fucking... feel like because there's a whole little pocket of Broadway kids that are all doing the same thing. Right. And it's also like when you're in a Broadway show, like that's your family, like that's your life. You know, it's like being in camp. OK, so you're in this Broadway show. You got to tell me about Angela Lansbury. Like what's she like? She's incredible. She is everything you would imagine her to be and more. And I, I am so grateful because most of my scenes were with her. And so, you know, of course, I'm in a scene with Angela Lansbury and I want to live up to that. And she immediately put me at ease. She turned to me one of my first days and said, I just want you to know, never be afraid to play. If you have an idea, go for it and I'll go with you and let's play together. <gasps> Oh, I love her. And it was that she would let me sit in her dressing room and tell me stories and give me advice. And I would just have these conversations with her every single day. And in Catherine, too, they were just the most gracious. Yeah, she seems like an amazing person, too, Catherine. Incredible. And then, you know, six months into the run, they had to leave the show and we got Bernadette Peters and Elaine Stritch. Oh, what? I know. Fucking fuck shit. I can't fucking fuck. I can't. You're 15 <laughs> or 14 and you're working with Elaine Stritch and Bernard. I can't. I'm going to have yeah. to go kill myself in the bathroom. Are and you kidding me? Yeah. Well, it taught me so much because our show entirely transformed. It, it went from, it really taught me about material as well, how it can be so many different things just based on how you do it. Because, you know, with Catherine and Angela, yes, it was hysterical, but it was sort of this very glamorous, grandiose thing. And then we get Bernadette and Elaine and the show just becomes this hysterical romp. Right. So fun, but entirely different, but still valid. Okay. Two questions. The first one is... Do you feel lucky that your first Broadway experience, the stars of the show were female? I do. Yeah. Because all four of them taught me in so many different ways about what it means to be a leading woman and how to do it with grace and how to treat the people around you and also how to have a good time while right. you're carrying something on your shoulders. Were you aware of, I, I don't know, I don't want to say star quality, but the the legend that you know, Angela and, and all these women were, uh, I mean, it's, and Elaine Stritch. I mean, oh God. that like, woman, were you, did you have any idea about Elaine Stritch before she came in? I did, but I learned so much more while I was working with her. I mean, she, that woman saved me truly. I, I love all four of them, but Elaine and I, I don't know. I love Elaine so much. We had a really, really special connection and she, <laughs> I'll never forget one day she, um, 
she said, on Monday, on our day off, I'm going to the set of 30 Rock and you're going to meet me at my hotel and you're going to come with me and you're going to come to work and learn. And I said, what? Okay. yeah, so she would take me to the set of 30 Rock and I would just sit there and, you know, while she was in hair and makeup, she goes, go see what they're shooting right now. Go learn. And so a poor PA would have to sit me in Video Village and go, you know, Miss Stritch says this girl is supposed That's to That's so generous. Like that is so... Do you feel, did they ever talk down to you or um, it's so amazing because I don't think you would have, you know, had it been another show with a bunch of fucking guys, it would have been, it would have changed your entire view of Broadway and, and work and be, and who you are. And you, so you're so lucky that at this young age, you're in a show and you're not being objectified. I mean, that is a huge fucking, a. you could do each person, but what did you learn from each of these women? Like what, if you had to attribute something or some things that you, you take with you every day when you go to work? I think Angela is, she just is a storyteller and just, you can see how excited she is to just play and be at work every day and just to be a part of it. And Catherine is biggest dichotomy of being just the most glamorous, wonderful person, but also she has the best jokes and she finds everything funny and she loves a big hearty laugh as much as anyone else. And Bernadette is so cute, but so talented. I, I know you talk to her the best. I know. And best sometimes you talk, Ugh. she's so nice. I know. She's so nice and warm. And you're like, oh my God, I'm talking to Bernadette Peters. I can't fucking believe it. Yeah. Yeah. You're so talented, but you're so nice. And your skin, how? Tell me. And then Elaine is just, she's got all the stories. And she's, I mean, God bless her. She is just everything. She's hysterical. Her one-liners, you know, we'd be about to go on stage for a serious scene and she'd just spout off whatever one-liner had come to her head. I'm like, Elaine, do you want me to cry laughing and crash the wheelchairs? Yeah. On stage because I'm laughing so hard. Yeah, <laughs> she was something else. She was oh, something else. I mean, did she ever sing "Ladies to Lunch" for you? Yes, to ladies to lunch. She would sing all the time. Oh God, I fucking love her. But not necessarily that. Yeah. So and she used to work every day in her man's white shirt and black hose and her giant glasses. Oh my God! <laughs> Do you have any pictures with her? Oh, yes. Okay, so you have like photos with everyone. Oh, God damn it, you're so lucky. So you're in this show. How long were you in A Little Night Music? We did the show for a year. And during that time you were in school. Yep. Would you think you did your freshman year or your freshman and part of your sophomore year during that time? Probably, I was kind of a crazy person. When I, when I was in university in the sense that I took like 20 credit hours a quarter. And, and you were in a Broadway show? Yeah. <laughs> I always laugh. Oh. And I still don't know how I did this because I didn't drink coffee until after. Right. But I, there was part of the summer I was doing an Aaron's and Flaherty reading. I was working in the Broadway show and taking a full course load of summer classes. Okay. There's something <laughs> wrong with you. Did so. you... Did you um, make any friends in college or you couldn't make any friends because it was via 
Well, I sort of did because there was, I actually loved getting a business degree that way because we had people that were working full time in every industry. So we had somebody in fashion, somebody in manufacturing, somebody in business, somebody in biotech, and then me, and then all of these people talking about these economic concepts from our different perspectives. And there was a, a two week period where we had to go to Drexel campus and kind of prove that we were who we said we were and all this stuff. And I show up and at that point, I think I'm 16 or 17. And, you know, we're all kind of in the classroom together meeting face to face for the first time. And somebody came up to me and went, oh, whose kid are you? <laughs> it's like, oh, that's so cute. No, I'm, I'm the one. I'm the student. I'm actually yeah. the student. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Also during that time, you did like every every good New Yorker, Law and Order. Yes, ma'am. And other, you know, guest starring roles. 30 Rock. Um, yeah. <laughs> 30 Rock, whatever what was in. And then um, you did some movies for Disney, right? Yeah. That's what took me to LA actually was a, it was a pilot for Disney channel that was supposed to be, it was the first time they tried to do high school musical, the series. Right. Okay. So you get this show shadow hunters. Yeah. And arrow. Yes. Do those two shows, do you think that's what really put you on the map? They changed my life. Shadowhunters in particular, simply because I, you know, I grew up reading YA and I, I know how important these characters are to people and and what it's like to see, you know, your favorite character brought to life on screen in a really right. meaningful way. And I tell you, it's another one of those weird moments. I read the script for Shadowhunters and I went, I knew immediately what I wanted to do with the character. I knew exactly who she was. And and I'm always the person that goes into auditions, plays for those 10 minutes, and then forgets about it. But this one, I went, no, no, no. I have to do this. Wait a minute. Can we go back? You go to auditions, you play for 10 minutes, and then you forget about it? I was I was told oh. by someone very early on that an actor's job is to audition. You go in the room and you, that's your job. And I know, but how do you forget about it? Like I go in and I'm like, oh yeah, and then it's like I oh, should have done that. Should have done that. Oh fuck, I could. Uh, oh, I said hello. Blah blah blah. It's like so fucking. <laughs> you're so not Jewish. I can't. You, how do you forget about like that? Is every actor's dream. Yeah, I I try and focus on the next thing. It's not always easy. There's some that that are a lot harder to forget about, and you know they don't always go your way, and that's that's why you have to have tough skin in this. Right? Industry. Oh, you please, know? you're not kidding. So, no. had you gra- graduated college before? Which which came first, the Shadowhunters? Yeah. So I had graduated university a few years before and I'd been working here and there and doing some things and series and and little guest stars here and there, but I had never done anything like this before. And I, I always look back, you, things are always clear in hindsight. So looking back, I was really lucky to have, I was 19 when I booked shadow hunters. And so having this journey of playing a character who's a fish out of water thrown into a brand new world that she knows nothing about and has to form this family around her. That's exactly what I did as a human. I right. You've been, yeah. In, yeah. I was thrown into a foreign country with all this responsibility with an entire series on my shoulders and was so lucky to be surrounded by people on and off camera that were just astounding humans and amazing artists. And they really shaped who I am. And I, I'm so Do grateful you, for that. Did your mother accompany you? Uh, 
on no she let you go oh yeah my (gasps) my mom she is the farthest thing from a stage mom and I absolutely love that about her she's always when I first started working she would ask me every couple weeks she'd go are you sure you're still having fun with this like because if you want I love her and she always let it be my thing I was always the one who handled all the business I handled everything and uh it, it was always mine. And I always appreciated that, that she had that foresight. Also, she's a scientist, so she knows nothing about the entertainment right. industry. <laughs> right. Do you feel like your representation, your agent, your manager, whatever, whomever, yeah, lawyer, you have a degree in business. You have a, for, oh, also, did you attend a graduation? Did you get to walk at graduation? We had a virtual graduation, oh, which okay. now seems a lot more common. Right. <laughs> Uh, I would have said I would have been more upset before COVID about that. But now I'm like, oh, OK, because my son had a high school graduation virtual. But do, do you feel like your your representation is intimidated by your knowledge of business? And I wouldn't say they're intimidated by it because my my attorney in particular, <laughs> I love her to death. She's one of the most formidable women I've ever met in the best way. She's the kindest human. Is she Jewish? Also, I think so. What's her first name? Marcy. Go ahead. So Jewish. So Jewish. Um, but they definitely respect me for it, which I really appreciate. You know, I I definitely the, the reason I got a business degree other than it was my other love is that I wanted to be able to manage my career like a business and to to look at things not only creatively but from a business aspect to to do things in an, as smart of way as I could. And uh So fucking adult of you. When are you going to uh, Don't you feel like you missed out on like being an immature little brat? No, because I kind of never was. Mm-hmm. I was I was always kind of a grandma and that's what I love. That's honestly, I'm so grateful to I call them my shadow hunters boys. I basically had five big brothers on that show who made sure I was properly corrupted in all the best ways. Okay, good. Uh, good. During shooting. We Toronto's also a really fun town to to go out and have a good time and dance. You know, and- I like Toronto, a lot of Jews, but here's the thing, because I've performed in Toronto. As far as comedy is concerned, like they don't have any problems like they have health (laughs) care. It's really clean. It's such a nice city. The food is great. Everyone's polite. So Mm -hmm. like when I'm up there fucking screaming about how much I hate everyone, they're like, oh, really? Why? (laughs) So, yeah, I I was just like I wanted someone to start screaming, you know, in the middle of the street and take a shit in the middle. But no, it's very clean there. Very, (laughs) very clean. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the shadow hunters. You've already graduated college, Mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. You're with these guys. Has it ever been an issue that you're so young and, and accomplished? Like, has it ever you've worked with, all right, I'm a feminist, you know, but I'm also in the most misogynistic business ever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so are you, you know, Mm -hmm. do you feel like because of your age and because of your education that perhaps you escaped a lot of the uh, negative objectifying you're a dumb blonde like shit that, you know, a lot of actors get. Yes and no. I mean, I, I find it an exciting challenge when people underestimate me. Yeah. Right. Um, And I quite look forward to, I love that to exceeding people's expectations. 
Um, I've, I've had to do that a lot. I've had to, especially, you know, starting even my own expectations for myself. When I started shadow hunters, I didn't know how to throw a punch. I didn't know how to hold a sword. I'm a tiny human. I didn't think I, it was possible for my body to have any modicum of real strength or anything like that. And I met these amazing trainers and these badass stunt coordinators and my stunt double, for example, and the other female stunt doubles on the show who obviously are my size right. because they're doubling me, but they're world champion martial artists. And they're some of the most badass, tough, strong individuals ever. And these trainers showed me that, no, 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 you, if you train the right way for your body, you can do these exorbitant things that I never thought possible. So it, it really changed my life in a lot of ways. And the fact that, you know, these men took the time to, to train me five times a week and to fight with me and box with me and, and saw in me that I was willing to put in the hard work to accomplish these things. And I'm so That's grateful amazing. for that. What, but you, now you studied ballet, right? You were a ballet dancer. So yes. your body was already... <laughs> Like in shape. I mean, you know, that's hard on your body. Yes, it is. But a ballerina's physique and a boxer's physique well, are uh, yeah. different. And also one thing I found, especially, you know, they, I have long legs. They see my long legs and they go, oh, great. You're going to be a kicker. And I went, awesome. Then come to find out that everything that's been beat into my head for ballet for the last 20 years, I have to beat out of my oh, head. Oh God. Properly. But I, I was actually very lucky. One of the stunt doubles on the show had been a dancer professionally. And so she had gone through that same thing. Oh, already. that's good. And she could kind of translate. She goes, no, 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 I get it. Your body's trying to do this, but think about this instead. And it just worked out. And, and know, I was so, so grateful. I've always wanted to ask ballet dancers this, and now I have one on the show. I have really bad feet. I have extra bones in each foot. I'm like, I can't wear high heels, whatever. That fucking going on your toe thing. Mm -hmm. Like, doesn't that kill? Not if you have the right shoes. I know a lot of girls that that they get the wrong point shoes and it's hell on earth. I was very lucky that I there's because there's an amazing ballet company in Kansas City. There's an, a store there that they will spend an hour with you trying on every shoe until you find the right one for your foot. Is it it's is it like a flat thing under the toes? Like you go on your toe, right? Oh, yeah, it's, fucking, it's, it's so foot. painful even thinking about it. Well, you have different pads and they have different kinds of pads for different, you know, because everybody's feet are different. So people have different preferences as, you know, wool or gel or this or that. I could talk about this for hours. But and then there's different lengths and shapes and widths and box size and all this stuff. I love I love point work. I've been dancing point since I was nine. And it's it's I mean, granted, you know, your feet suffer for it. And now I can wear any kind of heel and my feet are kind of impervious to pain. Um, which is why I run and fight in heels all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's worth it. Again, it's hard work that's worth it for me. It makes me, I because I, I can't even, I can't even put my foot in a, you know, a toe that's like mm -hmm. narrow. At the I can't, I have to wear sneakers all the fucking time. You're, I just, I, that, I look at that toe thing and it makes me fucking crazy. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Catherine McNamara. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. Now, if you like the show, here's what you're going to do. You're going to subscribe. You're going to leave a review and it's going to be five stars. So whatever you think of me, just 
please subscribe, leave a review and make sure it's five stars because then more people find the podcast. Also, if you have not purchased my book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. You know, there's something wrong with you because you're listening to my podcast and I have this great book out and uh, you could get the audiobook, you could get the Kindle, whatever. But, you know, just support the Judy Gold brand, okay? I don't even know what the brand is, but just support it. Everything you need to know about me right this moment is at judygold.com, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D.com. You can get my book there. You can check out where I'm going to be performing. <laughs> this Saturday, March 13th, I will be in Connecticut performing live at the Fairfield Theater Company, and they're only allowing 100 tickets to be sold uh, in person. So please buy some tickets. Go to judygold.com. Also, make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all everything. My thoughts, my desires, my dreams, events, dates, everything at judygold at J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D because you know I'm Jewish. I don't know if you knew that because I never talk about it. And you know what? Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Keep wearing your mask. We're going to be out of this soon. Please, God. Can't take any more. So stay safe and spread spread a little loving and keep laughing. Okay? And as we always say, so long. Don't forget to tune in next week to Just Kill Me Now. Um, or, let's just kill me. Oh. Don't forget to turn... Uh, for part two on Just Kill Me. No, it's not. It's <laughs> just, just Kill Me. Now. No, Judy Gold's Just Kill Me. Just Kill Me Now. Just, just kill me now. <laughs>